welcome to Life Beyond the Sirens podcast. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Stories and advice from frontline workers. Welcome back, everybody, to Life Beyond the Sirens. Uh, On this episode, we're sitting down with professional dating coach Kimberly Hill out of the Vancouver area. We're going to go over everything from red flags when dating, who picks up the bill on the first date now, how do you keep a spark alive in a marriage and long-term relationship, how to properly cold approach a woman in public. So stay tuned for that. I also want to apologize for our audio on this episode. One of the cords came loose and we didn't know. So we sound kind of distorted, but Kimberly's audio is awesome. So hopefully that keeps you listening all the way to the end. But before we get to the episode, I just want to quickly get to our sponsors and then we'll go from there. Are you looking to get into the fire service, but can't seem to crack the process? Are you looking for a company that can help you get the job and maintain the job at the highest level? Look no further than Firehouse Training. They cover all aspects of OFAI prep, resume building, and interview coaching. They also provide continuing education for everybody still on the job. Get in contact with Firehouse Training today and jumpstart your career into the fire service. Hey guys, and welcome back to Life Beyond the Sirens podcast. Uh, Today we are joined by Kimberly Hill, a professional dating coach out of Vancouver, and she's also the host of the Self-Confidence Project podcast. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been excited to to talk to you guys. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on here. And uh, so are you able to just tell us a little bit about how you got into the dating coach game? Yeah, and you know, it is like a popular question that I get asked when I'm on shows and honestly, like completely untraditionally. Okay, I didn't like I didn't have like this epiphany like many coaches do and go, wow, I'm just going to dedicate my life to to men. <laughs> I uh, I grew up like middle class family grew up in Vancouver, BC. And, uh, you know, went to university, like, you know, live by the whole belief that, you know, get a degree, get a job you know, die happy kind of thing. Anyways, I decided, you know, I needed to break from all that and I wanted to go travel. So I ended up booking a one-way ticket to Bangkok, Thailand, and I didn't come home for a decade. And in that time of like, I'm going to go travel for two months and come back and finish the degree, I just like rediscovered who I was outside of Vancouver and traveled the world, ended up in Sydney, Australia, and then actually stumbled into working in a job in financial derivatives. So I I had like a corporate career for nine years, and that field is completely male dominated. So I was on a broking floor in Sydney, Australia, and let's just say the office has like 100 people in it, 98 of them are are men, right? And I'm like one of the only women on the, the front office floor, there's like, maybe one, maybe two at the time that worked in back office. So I was one of the only like chicks out there. And so I spent a lot of time with dudes. I traveled with them. I, you know, I worked with them. Eventually I was managing some of them. And then my job there was actually to, uh, to go onto the investment banking trading floors, which again is like hundreds of men. So you walk across the floor and they all just stare at you because they haven't seen a woman all day long. Right. And, uh, so basically I had 10 years of just living with, with guys. It felt like, because I also was like messing up or screwing up or fucking up in my own relationships. On the one hand, I have this unique opportunity to like be working and observing and, and learning about men by just the sheer, you know, just nature of my job. And then at the same time, I'm struggling in my own relationship. So eventually I got access to speak to a coach. And that's when I started realizing that the things I needed most support with had to do with relationships. And that kind of started my slight epiphany journey to realize, hey, like this is an area I want support in. But you know what? I really love 
the coaching relationship. And I kind of want to do this. So, you know, it took, you know, a year and a half to even make the decision that I was going to leave the corporate world to become a coach. And that started even another year and a half journey of figuring out, well, how do I even do that? And went and got qualified. And then of course I started coaching women (laughs) because naturally you think like, well, I'm going to have an impact on women. And then, you know, I work with another coach and, you know, a good coach has to have had their own coach. I'll tell you that first and foremost. And so I've had a lot of coaching experiences myself. And one of my coaches said, why the hell are you not working with men? That's what you've been doing for the last 10 years. And I realized, okay, well, maybe I need to to switch to supporting men in this area. And that kind of like started the birth of the self-confidence project, which now I've been doing for four years. Um, so that's like the, the trying to like share the journey that like getting here was not not expected, not anticipated. It wasn't even a goal of mine. It just it just became the right path for me over you know ten years of living away and having my own experiences. And and I really truly believe that we often teach what we ourselves need the most. So I needed help in this area. Men are really under supported part of the population when it comes to dating support, emotional support. And so, you know, being a smart businesswoman as, as well, you know, wanted to fill that gap, but also had the experience of working with men for so long um, that it just was a natural fit for me. And now the, the business has been really successful with the one-on-one work I do. And here I am. <laughs> do you so, find uh, with men, yeah. it's like a common theme that they're a lot of time they're reaching out because they're nervous or something like that, where they are at the bar and they can't approach women? Well, for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously most all of my clients in some way, shape or form have a bit of nervousness or anxiety around cold approaching. And I think that's pretty normal. Like you ask even an attractive woman, if she has an easy time approaching an attractive guy, that's just a nerve wracking thing to do. And in the last few years, I think we've all lost a little bit of our social skills, just post pandemic and hibernating and whatnot. So absolutely. Yes. But that's not the main reason they come to me. They don't come to me and go, help me just approach women. They're coming to me because they're like, I have a weakness around women in relationships, or I have a challenge around women in relationships. And I feel very successful professionally in my day-to-day life. But when it comes to women, something feels different. I tend to not advocate for myself, or I don't pick women that are particularly right for me, or I need help with more direct communication with them, or I don't even know what I'm looking for in a partner or or help me date successfully because, you know, I don't want to just go on dates for the sake of it. I want to be dating the right kinds of women. So I tend to attract into my practice men that are like very good hearted men that need to really build their own confidence and self-esteem as it pertains to women in all dynamics, not just the approaching situation. You find that guys, when they come to you, they have difficulties because of previous relationships in their past. And kind of the one thing I've heard with a life coach I worked previously is talking about, I guess, the seven habits in the right word, but kind of what seven people, uh, egos people have, like victimizing, uh, feeling sorry for yourself, not having enough confidence because of stuff that's happened in the past. Do you feel like a lot of men come to you and say, I have XYZ because of a parent relationship, uh, a mental relationship kind of translates into then dating women? Uh, Yeah, 100%. So it's either because of the way they were raised in childhood, which then formulates their attachment system, whether they're Mm -hmm. avoidant or anxious, um, and of course, their adult experiences. So 
I would say typically like I work in the range of young 20 year old men to men in their late sixties. So it's a really wide range, but the, mm -hmm. the, the bulk, the bread and butter of the men I work with are post-divorce. Okay. So they've been married before. So they have had one significant long-term relationship that ended and it, and that also really impacted them and crushed their self-esteem. So they'll say to me, well, dating before that or getting to know women, like I wasn't as nervous as I am now. And, and that's because to be honest, dating post-divorce is very different than dating prior to getting married. Um, and so that relationship, whatever might've happened there, a lot of criticism, lack of intimacy, um, despite how hard they tried to please their partners tends to make them feel like they aren't successful with women. So they associate that failed air quote, right? Like in their mm -hmm. eyes, they view it as a failed relationship as a failure as a man. Right. And they take the brunt of the responsibility on their shoulders and then go, well, now I have a long way to climb up because I just had a big failure here. So it really hits their self-esteem, their sense of identity, and they're really not only just needing to learn the like dating skills in 2023, which are different than what they were 10 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all know that dating is completely like insane these days. Yeah, it's very different though. Yeah, but they need to relearn who they are now that they're no longer like identified as a husband, right? And so it's like, well, now how do I go out there with this new kind of sense, sense of freedom? But who am I? Like, what is my identity? What do I even like? Because we tend to, not all of us, but some of us start to lose parts of ourselves in relationships. We forget that we are really passionate about rock climbing or we stopped hanging out with so-and-so because, well, my, my wife didn't like him or whatever it is. And so we get to this point where we're like, well, who the heck am I? And what do I even like in life? And what brings me joy? And what kind of a relationship do I even want to have? So it's like a matter of a lot of questions that pop up that they need support and clarity with. That's what I found. Is there a certain amount of time, like you just mentioned a married man, so if they get divorced or it, it doesn't even have to be a marriage, it could just yeah. be a long-term relationship. Is there a certain amount of time that you recommend like one month for every year or something like that for kind of recovery or just getting back to your roots and who you are? Yeah, I think that's different for everyone. But here's the fallacy that many of us believe, and I was guilty of it myself when I got out of a long-term relationship. We say to ourselves, I'm already ready to move on because I was checked out a year ago. In in my mind, I was done with this person before the divorce was official, or I was checked out a year before we actually split. And that is a story we tell ourselves, and potentially the part of us has already started grieving that a split was coming. Uh, but the mistake is that we do tend to get out there too quickly. And that is because, you know, we crave the closeness that a relationship can give us. We crave the routine. And it also can be wildly scary to be single again. Um, so, no, I don't have a prescribed time frame because I think everybody grieves differently. But the mo most important thing is to give ourselves time to grieve to really process the emotions that come with a relationship that didn't work out, such as, you know, even resentment or loneliness and being really able to feel that, then, you know, starting to rebuild our sense of identity, which might take some time. And when we feel a sense of, I know who I am and what I'm looking for in life, then you're ready to start getting out there dating. So until you've grieved and worked on the identity piece, don't date because you'll make mistakes. You'll fall into similar patterns. If you haven't 
critically thought about your past relationship and why it ended, you will be pretty much doomed to repeat the same mistake. So for some men, maybe that's six months. And for some, maybe it's two years. I don't know. It's, it's really different for everybody. Right. And would yeah. you, I, I always hear the term like rebounder. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that something that you, I don't know if you would suggest, but, or it's just casual <laughs> dating at that point, I guess. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with casual dating. If you know how to casually date, okay? Because these, a lot of men are like, you guys have really good hearts. You don't want to hurt women. You don't want to hurt their feelings. So when you want to date casually, you better be darn good at knowing what your boundaries are and when to walk away from a situation when it's moving from casual into something that is not. Now, casual dating is difficult because at some point, someone catches feelings. And if the other person isn't reciprocating, now you're in these complicated situationships that cause more grief than good. So if you want to date casually, you better know how to sit down with a woman and say, at this point, I can't see us going any further and we need to, I need to move on from this because casually dating, but then like slow ghosting people, that's just going to create all sorts of anxieties. And that's not going to really help the process of moving on and getting clarity. So I often find that men that have gone through a separation or a divorce, or maybe they're still even legally married, but they're separated, um, tend to kind of jump headfirst into a new relationship with a woman who appears to be the opposite of their ex. Okay. So if their ex in the last year was distant and critical and not very supportive of him, as soon as they meet a woman who's like, oh my God, you're the bee's knees. Like, I want to spend time with you. Like, you're an amazing guy. Boom. It's like, right into the comfort of that without really understanding who that woman truly is and whether your like vision for a relationship is aligned. And that will welcome a whole bunch of complication too, because, you know, women are emotional and we catch feelings and we aren't always emotionally mature in many situations. So we might just bring a lot of complication and pain and suffering <laughs> to your lives. If you're not quite sure what you're looking for and how to navigate it. So, right. Would yeah, you recommend yeah. kind of like leading off with that you want to date casual or like how long, mm -hmm. like if you start seeing somebody, how long until you bring that up? Well, that's different for everybody. And like, you know, yes, for, to the first part of your question, absolutely. You got to be upfront and genuine and integral when you're dating to say, I'm interested in something short term casual. Um, because if a woman is receptive to that, great. And if she's not, then why are you going to try and force that with someone who's not interested in it? Like, that's just not a good way to go about dating. It's not very integral, nor is it authentic to you. So absolutely, we got to be honest about, you know, what we are looking for. And there's nothing wrong with it. And there's zero shame in wanting to date casually. Um, now, when do you break it off with someone? Well, you'll get a sense. Are things starting to feel like a relationship? Is this feeling complicated? Are the expectations changing from what we might have agreed up front and at that point in time you know we have to be able to have the strength to move on from that because otherwise well what are you doing you're leading somebody on um and that's just not a good thing to do and we we know you know where that, that ends up right so you find yeah. you have a lot of guys coming to you still in a relationship or is it mostly that you have people that have mm -hmm. gone through relationships and then divorced for xyz reason 
Yeah. So when I first started, I was really about 50, 50 split, 50% of guys in relationships, 50 single and dating. It's moved to more like 80, 20, or even 90, 10. This 90% of the men I work with are single and wanting to get clarity and move into that relationship. But I do work with men in relationships. I love working with men that are in relationships and they often come to me as a first point. Maybe they've tried even couples therapy before, or they're thinking that they might want to try it. They do need an outlet a uh, confidential outlet. And they also want to kind of upskill in certain areas, such as maybe around assertive communication or getting clarity on the things that are really important that they need, um, or even just better ways to communicate with women. And so, uh, or just like trying to figure out how to be a little more satisfied in their overall lives. So I love working with men that are in relationships that, you know, are really well intended, like they're not you know, they're not talking to me because they've already decided they're on their way out. They're talking to me because they actually want to find a way to make it work in that relationship. And they just need a different perspective to maybe get some clarity or, or build some skills. Like I just finished with a client um, who's in a relationship and he, he just has always in his life had a hard time connecting with women, connecting with his wife, even just connecting with the women in his office. And so he came to me because his goal was, I want to connect with women better. And that's what we worked on. So, you know, his relationship with his wife drastically improved over our time together because different ways of communicating and different perspectives to understand her. And he's also a little more open to talking with the women in his office, which he was quite afraid to to do. So, you know, that's a particular goal of someone who might be in a relationship. So, yeah. And I love working with men that are already committed. You have a lot of clients that come to you to talk about uh, having issues with relationships, creating a business, like speaking from personally, I created my gym a few years ago. I ended up ending a relationship because I felt like the support wasn't there, but mm. in retrospect, it probably was, but did you have any advice for guys that are in a relationship or possibly dating, creating something that literally takes 80, hundred hours a week to build and, and they feel like they're not getting the support from their girlfriend, partner, wife, that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough because, you know, each relationship has different love languages. Each partner needs something different from their significant other. Uh, and I think that one of the most important things to be successful through that is having really strong communication and, you know, finding ways that are meaningful, even when you're really busy to, to connect with your partner. Now, I think a lot of people believe that women need like a lot of time from their partners to be happy. And it's not necessarily that we need a lot of time from you to be satisfied. It's that we need quality time. And that means like, even if it's 10 minutes a day where we, you know, don't have our phones on, where we're not talking about our business, where we're just really connecting with the individual that we love and care for. We're looking in their eyes. We're asking how they feel, what they need from us, how we can show up better. That bit of connecting, even if it's 10 minutes, is better than 10 hours where you're like stressed because you've got something going on in the gym and you're not really paying attention to her. Well, then she's going to mm -hmm. start to feel emotionally distant from you. And that's where your relationship can actually head towards ending because the connection you feel like you feel like you've grown apart, right? Well, right. we've just grown apart. You know, that's more important to him. And, you know, I'm starting to find things to fill my time. And now we're going in completely different directions, mm -hmm. but you can both be working towards a goal. As long as you find those moments that are meaningful for each of you to find ways to stay connected. Um, right. And that can be different for each relationship. So yeah. you touched on uh, love 
was a love language or love languages love. yeah yeah so how how important is that you feel when it comes to different people is this something like an example my fiance and i we did the quote-unquote online test yeah. the other day to see what it is and mine is i think it was affirmation or something like that words of affirmation words. Yeah. yeah and hers were something along the lines um do you feel like that's something that's accurate and every couple should kind of do whether just type into google and kind of see where they're at and that'll help the relationship as it grows yeah, I think people need to take it one level further. So a lot of people are going like, oh, cool, I want to know what my love language is. So they log on to the website, they take the quiz, and they're like, cool, mm. like I love like physical touch or words of affirmation or receiving gifts or acts of service or whatever it is. Right. And then they find out their partners and they're like, yeah, thumbs up, and then do nothing about it. <laughs> that's mm. most people, right? You read yeah. a book, you learn something, but then applying it is like, that's that's different. So applying it is where couples need to figure this out. Now, my partner and I sat down a few months ago and we redid ours and we wrote them down. And then I said to him, okay, you're his top two. Oh my God, I'm going to forget what they are. <laughs> his top two. Don't tell him. No, no. His, his top two, uh, physical touch, words of affirmation. Okay. Physical touch first. And so what does that mean? Like, what does that actually mean? Like, mm -hmm. you know, do you just want a, a blowjob? Is that what it means? No, it, it's not what it means. <laughs> what it means is that it is incredibly meaningful for him when I give him loving touch. Now, that might be a rub on his shoulders. That might be scratching his back. That might be sitting next to him, cuddling him on the couch. That might be giving him a really genuine hug when he's done the end of his working day. That is how he feels loved by me. More so than me making him dinner. More so right. than me driving somewhere to pick something up for him. That stuff he appreciates and it makes him feel good. But if I really want to make my partner feel loved by me, I know how to do that because I sat down and said, what are specific examples of physical touch that are meaningful to you? And one of them was so simple, was so cute. When he's driving in his truck and we're going somewhere and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, just putting my hand on his lap is so meaningful to him. And that's easy for me to do. And mm -hmm. I know what those examples are. And so it's well and good to do the quiz and to, to say like, hey, I know what they are. It's more important to understand specifically what that means to your partner. Because if I say, oh, my my mine is words of affirmation so my partner is always like okay well i'll always say please and thank you and i'm like no that's not what it means what it means to me is that when i you know do something you 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 pay me a genuine compliment that's like thoughtful that and and this is actually something that i love hearing in particular right and it's and it's teaching your partner how to love you because we don't know until we talk about it and, you know, oftentimes couples get into relationships and they have one of the common self-limiting beliefs of relationships that is, I should know what my partner wants. I should know what they are thinking and feeling. And men say to me often, but if I have to ask for what I need, it seems like I'm being needy. And shouldn't she just know? And I'm like, no, nobody can read your mind. So as much as women love to be, oh, we're so insightful and intuitive, we don't know what you want or specifically how you need it until you tell us and until you tell us how important it is to you and if we're the right woman for you and if we respect you and we will find a way to give that to you, right? If you are mm -hmm. in a relationship with a woman and you have something that's very meaningful to you and you make a request and she repeatedly denies that request, 
that is a relationship that is becoming one-sided and is not a healthy one. I've done a love language test online with my wife before. I mm -hmm. honestly forget what hers is and what mine are. <laughs> I um, know, right? listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, <laughs> now yeah. I have to do it again. But uh, words <laughs> of uh, physical touch, words of affirmation, uh, acts of service was another one I know. What are the other five or four? Yeah, there's five of them. So physical touch, words of affirmation, uh, quality time, receiving gifts, and, and there's one other. Acts of service, quality time, receiving gifts. I forget what the other one is. Let's find it. I, it's just slipped out of my mind. It's going to be so obvious when it comes up to me. Five love languages. Someone listening is going to be like, it's this, it's this. <laughs> gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, and quality time. Receiving gifts, words of affirmation, physical touch, acts of service, and quality time. Those are the main five. First Response Coffee is a company where their mission is to provide the highest quality coffee to all frontline workers to ensure they operate at the highest level. Their beans are proudly roasted in Canada, where a portion of every bag being sold is donated to various agencies to help keep our first responders healthy throughout their careers and especially after their careers. Use code SIRENS15 to get 15% off your next order. If you guys are looking to increase your mood, your focus, reduce anxiety and stress, boost your immune system, increase your muscle recovery and longevity, as well as sleep better at night, look no further than the cold protocol. All their tubs are built in North America and built to last. So visit the cold protocol today to get your tub now. Use Sirens for 30% off. You ever feel like... Over the, over the years, working with a whole bunch of men, is there truth into what you constantly hear people say to pick your battles? Is there truth <laughs> into that kind of comment where you have an argument and you're like, you know what, maybe I'm not going to bring this up. And, or maybe you bring up the argument six months from now and ends up being a much bigger thing than what it should be. Is it one of those things where you're having a discussion, having a disagreement, and you're looking at your partner and you're like, oh, I'm not going to continue this anymore just to save does that create more issues no that creates issues okay so if we have something that is bothering us and instead we bottle it up it's gonna come out at some point maybe that mm -hmm. argument comes out six months later and now you're really freaking resentful or right. instead of that argument popping out six months later you start to do immature things like withdraw from her emotionally or you leave dishes on the counter because you know it pisses her off because you're pissed about the thing that you didn't have the balls women too didn't have the, the, the breasts to uh, approach, right? You got to be honest in your relationship. If something is bothering you, you need to find a way to communicate that. Now, there are better times to do that than other times. Right. You want to actually find an appropriate time to sit down and discuss it with your partner. And that's why I actually suggest that most relationships should agree up front, like a regular interval to check in. And the truth is when we're involved with another partner it is like running a business with them we're running our lives together we're running a household we're raising a family and so if it's commonplace in your business to have a annual meeting or quarterly meeting it's important to do that in your relationship as unromantic as it sounds you just want to check in and say hey how are things going between us and have a conversation am i showing up okay is there anything you need from me is there anything that you need less of from me and give your partner a chance to provide that feedback. And you might just realize, yeah, we've been both been a little stressed. We noticed that we both the kind of just been emotionally withdrawing from each other. You know what we need? We need a little weekend away. And as a mm -hmm. team, you decide to make that happen because you care about the relationship. 
And you gotta, we, we gotta be able to have these conversations with our partners. We can't be so afraid to tell our partners the truth of how we feel. Because if we do, then you know what? We go seek that comfort and reassurance elsewhere. And that's when we start to get into dangerous territory of maybe having more deeply intimate conversations with someone else. And that leads to you feeling like you're now more connected to someone else. And guess what? Then that might even lead to you stepping out of the relationship. So having the, the ability to have that conversation with your partner is so essential and it's lacking in most relationships, right? Because it's a scary conversation to have. Yeah. So, and then to, I guess well, one of the, I guess the really big questions I feel like that a lot of women ask in general is that to your point where people and men step out, is there a reason that you've seen or heard over the time? And I'll get into details of clients and all that type of good stuff, but why men cheat? Because that is the most yeah. common question I feel mm-hmm. like women, like, I don't understand. I thought I was doing everything right. What led him to cheat on me? Opposite of what society thinks. Most uh, most of us think, oh, men step out of relationships because they're just feral animals <laughs> that need their <laughs> physical needs met. <laughs> okay, right. so for some some people, there's always exceptions to the rule. Some, yeah, that's exactly why. They're like, I just want to be satisfied in this area and I don't really care. My relationship could be great, but that's just something I believe that I need or I was raised to believe that's okay or whatever it is. And there's that small percentage. But I read a book called Chasing Masculinity, and the woman who uh, who wrote the book actually studied men and women, uh, in particular studied men that had signed up for uh, the affair website, can't remember the name of it right now, but men that were actively on a website in order to pursue affairs with other women. And they got those men to answer their motivations and reasons why they were stepping out of the relationship. The main reason was because they were seeking what we could just boil down to in simple terms is called the girlfriend experience. They mm-hmm. were feeling they loved their wives, these men that were having affairs. They loved mm-hmm. their wives and they felt like they just weren't getting some of the emotional connection that they were craving from their wives. So maybe after they had children, their wives were getting so much love from the kids that the men weren't getting that hand on the knee driving the truck, or they weren't getting the hug, or they weren't getting the words of affirmation because she's just in her own head and she's busy and she's got other things going on. And so he's like, well, I love her and I love my family and I love our kids, but I feel like my needs aren't being met. So they seek that They outsource that part of the relationship to another woman. And many of these men actually admitted that they felt it improved their relationship with their wives. So Hmm. their motivation wasn't that I want to hurt my wife, that I'm just seeking sexual fulfillment. It was, I'm I'm feeling a little bit unloved and underappreciated, but I don't want to blow up what I have here because it's great and I love this woman. I just don't know how to ask for what I need. So I'm going to go right. find it from someone else. And uh, and they also love the fact, the girlfriend experience, they love that these women they were having affairs with said, oh, you're so hot and sexy. Like, oh, you're, you're such a great lover. They love that feedback and external validation, which, okay, it's not a good or bad thing, but men have been raised to seek external validation. So when they weren't getting that in their relationship, they went and found it elsewhere. So these mm-hmm. affair partners would tell them they're a great lover, that they're handsome, that they smell good, that they love running their fingers through their hair. And these guys would it would fill their love tank up and they'd go back and be better partners to their wives. So it's fascinating, isn't it? 
Mm-hmm. Right. And that was and the, the common thing you hear is that, oh, they just found this good looking woman at a bar. Mm-hmm. And like I said, yeah. he just, he just wants or quote unquote, that piece of ass. That's, that's what the yeah. common thing is. Right. So now, don't get me wrong. Then they would be having sex with these partners and it would feel great right. and very like fulfilling and all of that because, you know, sex can be very fulfilling for us, especially if we're feeling like that person we're having sex with actually likes us. Right. right. When we have sex with our partners, And we know we've been checked out for a few months and, you know, we're not really very connected. It's like, yeah, okay, you're getting our jollies on, but we're, we're lacking that like desire and passion and chemistry that was maybe there in the beginning. So we need to learn how to cultivate that because it's very possible to maintain that through a relationship if you know how to cultivate it. Sorry. Yeah. Does that really kind of get into the the thing we've been hearing? Well, I've been seeing all over the social media world, some of the motivational speakers I follow, et cetera, that are in successful marriages, the whole aspect of continue to date when you're in a marriage and when you're a parent or X, Y, Z, date night and get rid of the kids, so to speak, not literally, but to grandparents, babysitter and have that date night, have that dating experience like you were mentioning before. Yeah. And that's a simple way of putting it. Like continue to do what you did in the early days of relationships and there won't be an end. That's simplifying right. it, right? Because there's all there. You have to learn how to go through suffering together in a relationship. Okay. If you don't know mm-hmm. how to do that, your relationship will end because the one thing that is in common with all of us is suffering. So if you right. don't know how to deal with the sh- shitty times in a relationship, you can have as many date nights as you want, but when a child suffers an accident or your mom dies and someone falls apart and you don't know how to deal with that, your relationship will probably end. Even if you have uh, Friday nights that are crazy and really wildly connected, right? So you got to know right. how to deal with the suffering, but absolutely. And there's a lot of different like things to think about when we have a date night with our partner. It's again, that intentional connecting because this date night has to be phone free, right? Has to be kid free, has to be work chat free. So if you were having date nights with your your ex, but you know, trying to give her that quality time while also starting a business, but you brought your work stress into those date nights, or you talked a little about so-and-so was getting in your way and bothering you, she's going to leave that date feeling completely disconnected to you because, you know, she wasn't seen and heard, right? right. Even though she, she had, you set aside time for her, right? So date night connecting has to be very intentional. And it has to be you know, doing things together where, you know, you're undistracted by everything else going on in life. And that's hard to do. So it, it means that you have to be really good at getting the house in order, the chores done, and other things that are going to become emotional uh, blockers to you having intimacy with each other. And Jordan Peterson, many of many of you guys are Canadian, so you, yeah. you probably know Jordan Peterson. I wouldn't watch Absolutely. him watched him speak a few weeks ago live here in Abbotsford and his wife came on stage first and did a 10 minute speech and she talked about how her and Jordan over the years have learned to deal with suffering because they've had a lot in their life but would intentionally connect on their date nights and they would start off and I and I love this they would start off by having showers and getting clean Jordan would go into the living room and light a candle and get the mood going. They both put on something that was sexy and then they put on some music and share a little dance. And after that, whatever happened, happened, you know, usually, you know, sexual intimacy, but even just a night of connecting together intentionally. And that was one of the important things that they did as a ritual throughout the relationship that kept their, their, uh, their passion alive. But I missed one part. 
before any of that happened, before the showers, the candle, the connecting, they would sit down and talk and get through any of the sludge and shit that was holding them back from then enjoying themselves that evening. So mm -hmm. if they needed to renegotiate who's picking up the kids or how the household is being done, they would get that stuff out of the way. Because guess what? A woman will be thinking about that later on. She'll still be annoyed with you that you didn't take the trash out when you're like trying to connect with her. Or you might be pissed off that she hasn't complimented you recently. So right. you got to talk about the stuff that's blocking you from connecting with that partner, then have that ritual. But there's also studies that talk about having new experiences together. So doing something new with a partner will create those feelings of connectedness because you're bonding over a shared experience. So if you want to have a date night that's successful, get rid of the sludge first, do something intentional or have a new experience. Go uh, rent a hotel for a night and do something new. Go learn a new a sport together. Just do something new and exciting because guess what happened in the very beginning of your relationship? Everything was new. The first mm -hmm. time you went grocery shopping was new and that was fun. The first time you went to Costco together was fun. The first time you, you know, like hosted a barbecue together, it was fun because it was all new experiences. So you've got to continue to have new experiences with your partner. Otherwise, monotony, routine. And instead of having a date night, you're just hanging out with each other. And hanging out is part of a relationship, but that's not a date night. That's hanging out. Right. Yeah. Switching uh, gears a little bit, the new way of dating now is a lot like the Tinder, the Bumble, uh, mm -hmm. Hinge is the other one, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so I've heard a lot of different strategies on how to make a good profile. Like, what are your tips for somebody who's maybe just getting out of a relationship or just was longtime single, was having trouble getting traction on those apps? What are some good things to do for a profile to get female attention? Yeah. Great question. So the first thing I'm going to say, and people hate me for it, is before you even create a profile, make sure your life is interesting. Okay? A recipe for a really shitty profile is having a very boring, dull life where you don't do anything. How are you going to then translate into an exciting person online if you do not have an exciting life? That's the first thing you need to do. Let's say you got that sorted. You know, you're you're relatively social. You have a decent job. No, no one's after perfection. You have a couple hobbies. You know, you enjoy traveling a couple times a year. Great. You're exciting. Okay. You're an exciting person. <laughs> now you can create a profile that will help you stand out to women. And number one thing that most men won't do is get good photographs. Okay. You guys don't get your buddies to take 37 shots of you just for that good one when you're on your night out. And I get it. Very true. Very true. <laughs> yeah, it's totally true. It's like so awkward. All my clients, the first thing I say is what's going on with your photographs? Some of them are really nice photographs. I, I admit, sometimes I, I like one of my clients, um, he's a super attractive guy, right? But when I look at his photos, they're all outdated, right? They're like, we're creating a profile in the summer, but he's got a photo of him like in the winter with his ski helmet on. I'm like, mm -mm, there's a, there's a, there's an unhealthy juxtaposition. And we know it's old because it's summer and that's even in the snow, right? So getting good photos where you are, you know, confidently making eye contact with a camera, you're smiling, you're, you're not afraid to show who you are, you have a sense of style, that will, number one, set you apart, okay? Because most people and most men are taking selfies or they just are using group shots where they're Xing out their friends' faces or it's a photo that their ex-girlfriend took, but it was three years old. And I get it, like, you guys don't love getting photos of yourself, but if you want to date online, 
you better get over that fear and learn to get some good photographs because you immediately will separate yourself from other men that won't be willing to do that. So number one. And then secondly, like things to kind of avoid would be talking too romantically in your profile. So I've worked with some men that go straight into, well, I want to be honest about what I'm looking for. And that is great. But if you're a little bit like, I'm looking for my forever princess who wants to walk on the beach with me and her love languages is physical touch, just like mine. Then that gets interpreted by a woman as, well, we haven't even chatted yet. And like, you're already talking about our our future marriage. And that inadvertently comes across as needy. Even though all those things are really beautiful, it's just let someone understand those things about you over time. So you don't want to be too mushy gushy. <laughs> um, and you, you know, you don't want to be also too serious, like swipe, you know, swipe left if you're not interested in monogamy or whatever it is, or, you know, swipe left if you don't like my arm tattoo or what, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. We get like a little bit nervous about the experience we might have. And we want to try and avoid rejection by just saying, well, don't bother talking to me if X, Y, and Z. And that's then moving from that mushy gushy to you're, you're an upset, angry dater who still has trauma to process. So you don't want to do any of those things. What you want to do is bring in that excited version of yourself. That's like, Hey, these are the things that I get up to in life. I love these things. And would love to get to know you. And I'm looking for something serious. And that is where the sweet spot is, where you spend time on good photographs, um, which is translating in and of itself that you're a confident individual. And you're unashamedly talking about the things that bring you joy. So if you're a guy that loves, I don't know, uh, woodworking or working on a truck, or you love fishing, who cares? You love fishing and hunting. And you're afraid to share that. Well, then you're afraid to to tell the world who you truly are. And if a woman is going to then match with you because you've created a fake version of yourself, then she later finds out that you love fishing and she hates fishing. She's sworn she's never going to date a fisherman again. Okay. Then you've wasted time. You've just simply wasted time with someone who doesn't appreciate you for the true version of yourself. So never be ashamed to share the things that you love and enjoy because the right woman not every woman, but the right one is going to appreciate that those are your interests and hobbies. So, so would you recommend with, as far as men with kids, mm-hmm. would you recommend that they share that in their online profile? Because I've heard both sides. Yeah. Well, the first thing you don't do is you don't put photos of your children in your profile. That is not, that's not what women are looking for. They don't, they don't want to necessarily see the faces of your kids right away. It's not that there's anything wrong that you have children. There isn't. It's just the profile is about them connecting with you. So don't make your children the highlight of it. However, you should be honest and say, especially in those you know questions, says, has kid, wants kids, you, you be honest with your answer and you can write in your uh, designated profile space that you have a son or a daughter, you know, that is your role, that is your life that, that, that you have. That's important information, but you don't need to, you know, put it in there, but don't make your entire profile about it. Okay. You yeah. get, circling back a little bit to kind of like the positive and the, the not too romantic uh, stuff mm-hmm. on the profile like you were mentioning, is there truth or maybe you can expand on the comedy here all the time where the quote unquote nice guys finish last? Because a lot of yeah. things people will put that quote romantic stuff in there, assuming that's a nice thing to say, but then the guy still turns around and says, well, I can't find a woman or a partner because I'm quote yeah. unquote too nice. 
Yeah. So it's funny. I'm starting a YouTube channel. And one of the videos I'm going to be posting is like this talking about the nice guy thing. And it's, it's about a half an hour conversation in my opinion, but people miss misunderstand the nice guy syndrome. We think that because the word nice is in there, that it has everything to do with if you're too nice, then you'll finish last, which kind of makes us assume that being a bit of an asshole is then what gets the girls. Um, which is true. Guys that are assholes will get women, but the women that they will tend to attract are women that don't value themselves very much because those are the types of women that will tolerate really shitty behavior from a guy. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so assholes do get girls. Yeah. And they take them home and they sleep with them. And it's true. And you can be that if you want, right? Go right. for it. Go back, read the game, learn how to manipulate insecure women, have at her 10 years later, see how your life is going. Right. Which is actually true of Neil Strauss himself. He talks about how that really fucked him up, to be honest. <laughs> all of all of what he did. The you guys mm-hmm. familiar with the the book, The Game? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So 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 remind me of the question again. Oh, nice guys. So yeah, that, it has nothing to con- do con- yeah. connotation between that. Yeah. So it has actually nothing to do with being nice. Niceness, if I ask every single person that I ever come across the quality they are looking for in a partner, they want their partner to be nice and they want them to be kind. Okay, that's obvious. But the nice guy syndrome refers to a set of men who believe that people pleasing is the way to win affection, that bending over backwards for someone is what will get them results. They are the type of men that believe that they cannot have boundaries, that they give in order to get. So the nice guy man is someone who lacks assertiveness, lacks boundaries, and kind of just accepts any type of behavior because he values the idea of being loved by someone over things like respect, trust, compatibility, et cetera, et cetera. So this is why nice guys don't last very long with women. Now, in the beginning, women are like, oh, he's so sweet. He's so accommodating. He's so nice. He's moving all of his things around to the come on my family holiday. He is the man of my dreams. Six months later, she's so fed up with the guy that doesn't know how to speak his mind or have a sense of direction or purpose or boundaries that she is so over him that she falls for divorce, right? Because he's a man that that is just giving in order to get, but doesn't know how to communicate his own value. And that is why nice guys finish last with women. It has nothing to do with being nice. We want we want nice men. I, I would really like it if my partner was nice to me. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, and so if a guy is a nice guy, sure, maybe he tends a little bit towards his profile saying, well, these are all the things that I can give you because he's trying to create a profile that says, I'll do whatever to make you happy. You're, you're my princess. You're the queen of my world. But, and maybe that can be a little charming to some women at first, Mm -hmm. but you want a man that has his own identity in a relationship. Like a healthy relationship is not where you're both merged into codependency or you're both so distinct that you don't really have a connection. What we want is that as a woman, I have my own sense of identity. My partner has his own sense of identity. We can support each other. We can lean on each other. And when I do something wrong, he'll tell me. And when he does something wrong, I will tell him. And we have a sense of respect. And there's times when my partner has been quite assertive with me and told me that he will absolutely not tolerate a certain amount of behavior from me because that's a deal breaker for him. And that has right. taught me that there, there are bound, he has boundaries. He values himself enough to say, I won't accept this shit from you, Kimberly, because it, 
because I know that there are other women out there that I can be compatible with and vice versa. There are certain things that I will say, Hey, I really don't appreciate that. Like that's, that's something that is a trigger for me. That's, we can't go down that road and in a respectful relationship that gets appreciated and talked about and there's compromise, right? Mm -hmm. The Mr. Nice guy is he'll do whatever all the time and never advocate for himself. And that's why those types of men that have that belief structure don't tend to last very long. So uh, switching gears again a little bit, Mm -hmm. red flags. So getting into a new relationship, I was watching one of your reels on, uh, on your Instagram earlier. What are some, uh, sorry. Yeah. What are some red flags that guys should be watching out for? (sighs) Oh, So there's, I mean, there's, there's common ones, right? Like you don't want to be on a date with a woman who's disrespectful to people around her. You don't want to be on a date with a woman who dumps her traumas on you on the first date and then talks to you about, oh, you're such a sweet guy. Like every guy I've ever been with is like emotionally abused me. And, you know, like <laughs> she's not there yet right she doesn't work through some of her own things so we got to be aware of some of the you know like you know real poor behavior kind of red flags Uh, and we sometimes don't even notice those ones because we're so caught up on oh my god she's attractive so she can say whatever right that's because we're valuing the wrong things but um one of the things that i think that i'd be looking out for and this you know goes across both genders is Uh, is this person in some way, shape or form putting some effort into the relationship, right? Like, I think it's a red flag when a guy is pursuing a woman and um, she, you know, is happy to kind of go on these lavish dates with him, for example, but never really shares interest in his life, um, isn't willing to even offer to pay for coffee. Um, You know, she puts no effort into ever reciprocating or inviting him out. Like, he's just like, like constantly has to give, but never gets. I don't think that's a foundation for a healthy relationship. So I think men should be very mindful that at this point, they're no longer like pursuing a woman. They're just, you know, giving a woman things that she enjoys, but she's not really kind of sharing that she cares about who's giving it. Should just take that from anyone. So I think that's something to be mindful of. Like, and you may not learn that until you've spent a little bit of time with someone. Um, I also think that something that, you know, men should be mindful of too is like, what is that? What does that girl do? How does she spend her time? Does she have some friendships that are important to her? Like, we don't need to have, you know, 50 great friends. We need to have just a handful of them. And I think that also tells us a lot about someone, our ability to be able to have long-term important relationships, even friendships. So if you meet a woman and she she doesn't have a lot of long-term friendships, right? She hasn't been able to hand, hand um, handle those over time, or she doesn't have a very good relationship with her family. Uh, well, what does that tell you about her? It tells you that she's not very good at meaning, maintaining any kind of relationship. And that is a red flag, right? Because she might make you the center of her world. And then when you don't do something right, guess whose fault it is? It's all yours, right? right? So I would be mindful about the company she keeps, right? And also mm-hmm. how how she consumes information, not just consumption in terms of like, you know, how we eat and maintain our bodies. And But what does she watch on TV? What does she read? What does she learn? What is she doing to better herself in the world? I think that if 
you start to get to know a woman and she doesn't really have any passions or anything that, you know, she does to challenge herself to be a better version of herself. I would, I would flag that personally. I would say, okay, well, I am, I want to learn and continue to grow. And if this individual is like very happy staying static, uh, guess who's going to grow apart pretty quickly there. So those are things that I would look out for, um, for sure. I can go on, but those are some highlights for sure i just want to touch on it quickly you mentioned uh, yeah. the male paying for coffee and stuff what's your opinion on going dutch on the first date just yeah, yeah, great question <laughs> great question yeah okay so i i'm a young female who's a little bit of a traditionalist i believe with my views and relationships i like it i i think it's very sweet when a man offers to pay on the first date i, I like it however my partner and i went dutch <laughs> although i shared with him i was like I just felt like a little sore point. I then later learned that he'd gone on like a hundred dates. So of course he's at that point where he's like, I'm not going to pay for everything. That's just, I'm going to be bankrupt. Right. So he's like, you know, if she's interested enough, we can, we can go Dutch. And that was fine. And, and I pay for tons of stuff because that's who I am. And that's my value. Although not all women are like that. Um, I love giving gifts and, and doing those things. So in a, in a short answer, yes, I think men should offer to, to pay for the first date, but I think there's no issue going Dutch as you continue to get to know somebody, because what you don't want to do is set some expectation, especially if this is not how you want to have a relationship. You want to set the expectation that this is a partnership. I'm happy to treat you and be traditionalist on date one because I've asked you out and I may have chosen the venue as well because that's what I suggest. The man that has a clear sense of what a first date should be. So if you want to take her to a nice restaurant, then you should pay. And if you want to take her for a coffee, then you should pay. Now, if that's a great first date and you want to continue getting to know each other, well, now it's, it's it, you know, it's more of fairness, not always equality, but fairness. She wants to ask you out, maybe she should offer. You want to take her out, maybe you offer. Well, maybe the fourth time you go Dutch and maybe that becomes a conversation that you should be having, finances. Mm -hmm. we need to be talking about this so that you have an idea of what's reasonable and fair moving forward but i do like man paying on the first date but but you don't have to you don't have to right. guys you I don't agree. have to i agree yeah. yeah i mean i i did for my current mm -hmm. fiance so i mean that's just the same thing you grew up traditional european yeah. family it's this is some things you do and some things will never change yeah. um so yeah like it's it's a good i feel like the younger generation don't necessarily fully understand that concept the words it's not about money yeah. it's about just being the supportive person towards it and where it can be i think so yeah and if you're like hey like i'd really like to get to know you better and this is my suggestion on where to take you uh, great and you know what you don't mm -hmm. need to make it expensive i had a consult with a with a client i don't know a year or so ago now he's like i really don't understand why i can't get to the second date I'm like, well talk to me about what's going on on the first date so I really like this girl. I met her. I asked her out for dinner. And then she was kind of disinterested when we were out for dinner. And then she actually went and met up with another guy. I was like, ooh, harsh. Where'd you take her? He's like, I took her to a, a two Michelin star restaurant in New York. The bill was like a grand. I went, what the F are you doing? You might make a million dollars a year, but you're, you're saying to this woman, I need to do this extra extravagant over the top thing on number one date before you have even earned like your place in my life and willy-nilly doesn't matter how you treat me i'll lavish you with gifts so you're setting this right. expectation that like giving is easy and free for you whereas i believe that a man has value and that a woman has to also earn being by his side 
So, you know, you don't, you don't give away the whole candy bag on mm-hmm. the first date. So, so there is another question I, w- I want to get to, but speaking with the, with the first date, what do you feel like is a really good, and this is a very kind of general and loaded question, mm-hmm. but like, what is a general first date that you think is a good thing? The stereotypical thing across the board was a dinner and a movie, but I, I feel like a movie, yeah. you can't continue the conversation. Do you feel like a movie thing is like much later on, just go for a yeah. drink? I think a movie get a little, is... Get a little further, what, where do you feel like you should sit? Because I've heard that if you sit directly across yeah. the person, but you don't have a conversation, you're just staring at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the side. <laughs> yeah, I talk about this a lot, body language. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think movies are great first date. Uh, you're sitting next to each other. You can't talk uh, and you're looking ahead. Uh, so you're just kind of sitting beside a stranger. <laughs> I think it's a really bad first date. <laughs> Um, unless maybe you're on an episode of like a dating on the spectrum, you're both on then go to a movie and like eat your heart out and have amazing candy and talk about the candy right. and, and get married the next day or whatever. Um, uh, movies, not so good. Um, I think first date should be relatively low key. In my opinion, you could just meet up for like a drink. Although I'm noticing, especially the younger generation are like going more sober. So dinner and drinks seems to be not that appetizing for the younger crowd. Although mm-hmm. the, my clients 35 and up still really like to do a dinner and drinks. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, right? Go, go for a nice dinner and have some drinks. Choose an environment you're comfortable with. Choose an environment that's somewhat interactive. And even if you want to take it a notch up, go to a dinner that itself is interactive. Go to like a hibachi grill or something where like you're having fun okay. and having an experience together. And you're also being entertained a little because that will take some of the pressure off the conversation that we all need to have on a first date. So do something a little bit fun. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, grabbing a coffee and even going for a walk we tend to actually like a psychology trick is like when we're walking next to someone we we are well it's mirroring it's neuro-linguistic programming we're in sync with that person and when mm-hmm. we walk at the same pace and our arms are swinging at the same pace and we're heading in the same direction it starts to create a sense of uh commonality and familiarity which actually can make us like the person so a walk right. is a great idea but maybe maybe you're a little bit pre-planned as a guy and you know that the walk's going to end at a cute park and in your little bag or whatever, you have a cute little blanket and you can, you know, make her smile by doing something just slightly romantic because sometimes women will perceive uh, coffee and a walk as super, super low stakes. But, but there's right. nothing wrong with that. And that's a great first date. Now, some people kind of jump to pretty big activities on first dates. And I think those should be maybe reserved for second or third dates. Like, you know, I would easily go like mini golfing with someone <laughs> you're gonna see how they handle being shit at something which is a good thing to do um and i think you can have a lot of fun just doing stuff like that but i mean first dates are just really an assessment of whether you like the person enough to see them again so what do you want to do to assess that right mm-hmm. just go somewhere where you know you're going to have a good time and that you as a man feel confident in that environment so if you're really introverted and you you get really worn down by loud environments. Well, you're not going to go to, you know, a bar that has like an Irish band playing because you're just going to be like, ah, I'm I, I'm not jiving here. You're going to go to that cute little bar on the corner that's that's got a nice vibe and some lo-fi music playing in the background. And you're going to feel like your best self because you're in an environment that brings out the best in you. So that's what I think you need to consider for a first date. And then in terms of your second question about uh, seating positions, and body language well yeah if you're right across from someone that puts the pressure up on the conversation that can create an interview like style setting 
Um, and also as a man, you're further away from her to kind of even try flirty, subtle gestures or getting close to her physically. So it makes it harder. Right. Like imagine mm. trying to like reach under the table and like, you're just not going to work. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do recommend that if you, let's say you're at a, a, a square table, you'll go at, like kind of adjacent to each other. Right. If yep. you're at a round yep. table, you'll try and move your chairs a little closer so that like half of your face is looking at them, but half is looking the other way. And mm -hmm. you can create more comfort uh, in this seating position, especially because a lot of people do struggle with conversation and social skills that if you are directly across from someone, you can sustain eye contact too long or you'll yeah. start to notice that you're avoiding eye contact a lot, which shows that you're nervous and scared. So if you're seated kind of somewhat next to the person that's going to just lower the, um, the stress on that first date. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I would definitely recommend. Yeah. Awesome. One more thing before we wrap up here, what's your take on playing games? And what I mean by that is like mm -hmm. a girl texts you or a guy texts a girl and then you don't, even though you see it, you don't hurt, you purposely don't answer for two, three, four, five hours. Well, I, I first, I think games are really hard to maintain and they are inauthentic. So if you start off any courting, dating relationship, trying to play these games, you're actually kind of giving off an impression that you're someone you're not. So like good luck trying to maintain that. Um, mm -hmm. Do I think we should be responding immediately? No, I believe that there's a difference between playing games and reserving a bit of yourself. So what I mean there is when you meet somebody, you're not going to give them 100% of your time and energy and effort and finances and heart and love and soul and family and all of that. Like they, you don't know them enough to, to, to give your whole life to this person. So hold a little bit of you back. Now that is not game playing. Game playing is I'm specifically going to wait five hours because this article on pickup artist said five hours is the, the right time frame. Like like no but good luck like keeping a rule book somewhere <laughs> mm -hmm. i think that if you have good boundaries and you respect yourself and you know that things will work out then you might see a message and choose not to respond right then because you know you have a meeting in five minutes and even though you could probably get a quick answer out you're going to choose to wait to the afternoon when you go get your afternoon coffee because you're actually going to have a more thoughtful response and versus trying to just feel this pressure to respond immediately or saying, well, I'm just going to wait X amount of hours. I think you you know, want to have good boundaries in your day. Um, so if you receive a message and you know you, you've got stuff going on or you just know you're not even in the right headspace or you've got to make lunch, or you're going to take your dog out, go do that. Take care of yourself first. And then when you've got a moment, respond to that individual. And that's much more authentic than trying to follow a list of gaming rules or mm -hmm. feeling the pressure to respond immediately or seeing a text message as something you need to respond to immediately. I'd say view it more like an email. <laughs> when you get an email, we don't respond right away. We say, okay, I've got a few emails. I'll get to them this afternoon when I block that time to do my emails because I've got other shit I need to do. And then you spend time thoughtfully responding. I think that's much more appropriate than gaming or the anxiety that, that we often feel to respond right away. That's I think also another big question I feel, especially for the younger generation and speaking from like my parents, for example, the whole thing is when you're married, the woman stays at home and cooks, cleans, and the husband is the breadwinner. So what's something that you have to help with guys that come to you or men that come to you and say, look, this XYZ woman 
she's making more than me. I have an issue with that. How do you help people kind of take their ego out of their out of themselves and understand that just because a, a woman is making more than a man, this is the, the main reason for mm. the question. How do they get past that mentally? They continue to have a healthy relationship. Cause some people are for it. I met a lot of guys that have openly said my partner, my wife is the breadwinner and I'm fine with that. And then you have the complete opposite with men saying, I have to make more than her. I have to bring in more money. And if she does, I have an issue. Well, I would ask that man how he feels he provides value to the relationship. Because if he has associated that, well, I am worthwhile in this relationship because of my financial potential, then you may be devaluing the other things that you bring into that relationship that that woman really appreciates. So that's the first thing I would think about is like, what is the value of money here? Because if you're so hellbent on needing to earn more, is it because you think that's the only way you provide value? Or is it actually a subtle, I need to feel like I have more power? Because money can become a very abusive tool in a relationship. Mm -hmm. If somebody earns a million dollars and the other person earns 60,000 a year, the person with a million dollars may feel that he or she has a sense of entitlement to make decisions in the relationship without consulting the partner. And that's an abuse of power. So right. money, financial values, all of that can, you know, be a negative influence on a relationship. So I'd say to that guy, well, what is your, what do you bring to that relationship value wise if money was put aside for a moment? And maybe he, he needs to upskill in certain areas. Maybe he realizes that, well, if I'm not earning as much as my partner, that's okay. But how do I also provide value to this relationship? Am I good at, you know, expressing how, how much I admire her and can I help her grow and become successful? and still feel like I myself am a valuable man. How do you feel that sense of value yourself? So, I mean, it's becoming more and more common these days. Gender roles have definitely changed, you know, whereas men traditionally were the breadwinners and women stayed home and looked after the children. Well, that's mm -hmm. not necessarily happening anymore. Women are becoming, they're very close to surpassing men in terms of financial earning and, and in terms of education, especially in the United States. So men have to redefine what it means to be a man in a relationship, which is a difficult thing for you guys to do. So you have mm -hmm. to think, well, what, what do I bring to, to this dynamic if I put maybe some of the traditional views aside, because that's not how all relationships are these days. So right. I don't know if I answered your question, but definitely. No, I think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's very valid yeah. for, because that is the thing yeah. where people, it's more than yeah. just money, right? So that's kind of where mm -hmm. you hear it. So very curious what your opinion would be. Yeah, on I got, that. I got dumped because of that. <laughs> oh. I remember, um, I tell this story a lot because I always give this man a really great compliment for how he picked me up. Like I was living in Sydney, Australia, and I, I was working in finance. So I would take the train from Bondi Junction into Martin Place and around the same time, one or two trains different each morning. And this guy was six foot five, super handsome. Like he would see me on the train in the morning and I didn't notice him because I would have my earphones in. I'm, I'm young. I'm so excited to get to work. Well, he comes up and he approaches me and I had earbuds in and he, he kind of looks at me and he taps his earbuds or taps his ear. And so I take mine out and I'm like, hi, I'm all nervous. Right. And he goes, hi, I just wanted to say, like, I see you in the mornings heading downtown and my gosh, you have such a beautiful energy. Like what on earth is making you so happy? And I was just like, oh, wow. Like, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I just love my job and I'm young and nothing hurts yet. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> And uh, we chatted and he asked for my number and I gave it to him and he followed up and we started dating. Okay. Handsome guy picks me up. Didn't know him. 
I thought firstly, that was really smooth and really beautiful approach. And, and had I said no, I think he would have just been very grounded and just gone back to, to doing what he was doing. As we got to know each other, I at the time had just been offered a job in finance. And so I was earning good money because the industry is notoriously well paid. And I overshared and shared with him what I was earning. Well, now he was getting started in finance too, but he was in not in derivatives. He was working in stocks and he was making maybe a third of that. And uh, he dumped me and, uh, and it didn't happen very long after that. And I guess that felt like a threat to him. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, he probably saw a lot of his value being associated with his job. And a lot of people do that. We associate our sense of self-worth and our identities with our job titles. And because right. his job title was one third what mine was, he felt, well, I don't, you know, that's it. And it was over. And I was like, well, that sucks. It hurt my feeling. But then I just moved on in my life. And uh, it was an experience I had where I just didn't, didn't want to be with me because of the money I earned. And right. that's, that's a real shame because it probably could have taken us on some really nice trips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So before we close out, you said um, at the beginning with dating as well, like the one thing you were saying is kind of understanding themselves and you know men being confident and understanding what they are. Like the way he picked you up was super smooth. That was an amazing line. Super smooth, just yeah. kind of So what's something that you could bring a last little piece of advice that young men and even older men going out and, meeting different women what's something they could say because he just kind of noticed you over time but sometimes mm -hmm. time is isn't an, an option so is there something that yeah. other than just going over and saying hey you're beautiful or doing something ridiculous is there something that you find works better over something else you can do any of those things you can be ridiculous you can just say a generic compliment or you can be more like this guy and be a little bit more unique the most important thing is Firstly, your body language. Are you confident mm. in yourself? And are you unattached to the outcome? As soon as you worry right. about whether or not it's going to go well or not, it all falls to shit. Okay. Mm. Because you're, you're already attached to it going well. It's not going to go well with most of women that you approach in public. Who knows? She's probably on her period. She's pissed off at men that mm. week. So it's just not going to be successful. She just got dumped. She's a lesbian. You don't know what the reason is, but right. nine out of 10 times, She's not going to say yes. So if you learn to be okay with rejection, then you learn to approach women in so many different ways. You can go up and say a ridiculous joke and get right. her laughing. And then she's going to tell you after that she's got a boyfriend. And you're like, and then if you're attached to the outcome, you're like, yeah, well, you're a waste of time anyways. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, what? <laughs> you're an idiot. Like, you know what I mean? Like stay grounded and stay confident. And then it doesn't really matter what you say. Because that confidence after and that ability to then be social and have social skills and have good conversation, like it's the art of conversation. If you right. are not a good conversationalist, if you are not well read, if you do not, you know, are you not well traveled? If you don't know what's going on in the world, then you're going to struggle to pick up women because you need to be able to have good conversation say something, get her attention, and then be able to carry a conversation for a few moments. If it goes right. well, ask for the number. And if it doesn't, move on, right? That that yep. guy, we, he would have said that line and we would have chatted a little bit. And then he would have asked for the number after just even a few moments. And then you know what he did? He didn't hang around for the entire train ride trying to you know make me laugh for the next 10, 15 minutes. He said something, we had a chat, he got my number, and then he went back to where he was standing before and got on with his train ride to work. And, right. and that, that made me 
feel like he was a very high value guy who, you know, values his time. He had good conversation skills and he wasn't just like, like that, like that cat cut that everybody sees. Like, what are you doing? Just hanging around that yeah. guy, <laughs> that guy just, just hanging around, just hanging around and all attractive women just hoping they just give me what I need. It's like, mm-hmm. no, get in there, say something, stay grounded, r- despite whether it's a yes or a no, and then get back to whatever you were doing before. And that's how you'll be become successful. But also remind yourself that nine out of 10 times you will get rejected. So you mm-hmm. need to practice more about how to handle the rejection, more so than you need to practice what you say to a woman. And that's where we get it all wrong. We're all worried about that one line being some magic solution when it has like, you can say all sorts of dumb shit. You can walk up to a girl and even give her a backhanded compliment or say something completely random and be successful. If you know how to handle yourself after that. (laughs) I guess the best piece of advice you would have for to make it kind of really simple in the grand scheme of things, because obviously there's a lot more into it, but someone who's younger looking into dating, the simplest way to say is just, embrace the failure of something of asking someone yeah, because that's what will happen most of the time right so you know we better get used to that versus build ourselves up that now we've read some pickup book and 10 out of 10 times we're going to be successful like it's about having mm-hmm. the right mindset um so you will become successful at some point in time and each rejection that you get from a woman will lead you closer to a woman that will say yes so if you think of it that way go out and try and seek rejection because eventually it's going to work for you. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, sure. You can brush up on how to compliment a woman. You can think of something unique, like walking over and saying what this guy said about the energy and, and, and it made me feel beautiful because he didn't just come over and say, God, you're hot. I see you in the morning and make me go like, Whoa, all he's thinking about is sex. He was thinking of, he conveyed an energy of like, I appreciate you as a woman. And you are a, you know, beautiful energy and a nice smile. And that made me feel safe and comfortable. And so, you know, you don't overly, you don't want to overly sexualize women, you know, because then their minds go to, well, that's all he's after. Even if that's all you're after, don't make it so obvious, right? right? <laughs> like, don't make it so obvious. Don't make it super easy for her to just be like, ew, right? Mm-hmm. Just say something nice or witty or intelligent. And yeah, if you need to rehearse a few things ahead of time, that's just called learning how to be better conversationalists and, and, you know, not, you know, overthink it when you see somebody. So walking up and saying, Hey, I noticed you just wanted to come over and say hello. Like you have such beautiful energy or, yeah, I noticed, um, you know, (laughs) you, I've noticed you in the gym a couple of times and I just thought, gosh, I can't leave today with at least just coming and saying hi. Like those are really chill ways to just start a conversation. They, they, you know, you can steal those, right. Mm -hmm. Those are fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think that's a good way to wrap it up and I'm sure everybody will get a lot out of this episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a quick reminder, if someone is listening to the show, like one of the things, one of my prior client said to me is when you kind of see someone on social media or on a podcast, you think like in a way that person's not accessible. And I always just want to like say, I take one-on-one clients. If you've listened to this podcast and your interest is peaked and you yourself want to have a successful dating life, you're interested in pursuing a meaningful relationship. uh, I offer complimentary consults where we just get to know each other, understand what's kind of going on in your life uh, and whether or not that leads to a coaching relationship or not. Uh, is not the point. I'm there to just chat with you, get to know you and see if I can be of support. So just a reminder, if anyone's listening that there's a, 
I'll give you guys the links to, to put it in the show notes, but you know, feel free to just chat with me and see if, uh, if see if I'm the right person to support you in this area of your life. 